Oh my goodness gracious scorekeepers, we are back. It is time for another very special episode of The Score. As always, I am Rocky. I am here with my two fabulous co-hosts, Paige and Lee. How are you, Paige and Lee? Hey. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> <laughs> that's all you have to say you have had a very uh big couple of weeks dr bynum officially oh it's been a it's been a whirlwind i i have to say it it truly has well that is so exciting (laughs) to see you on instagram and your your little blue gown with getting your collar and it's all official and now you don't have to be in school anymore Ever well, at least, again. Well, at least as a student. <laughs> right. <laughs> Ever again. <laughs> How does that feel? How does that feel? You reach the, the, the apex like, of your educational like journey. Like the top of the mountain. It, it, it's, I really don't think it's hit me yet. You know what I mean? Like it, it's, it's been such a, a long, circuitous process uh for me my much of my uh post baccalaureate education has has felt very non-traditional happening on some weird timelines in between some very you know like dramatic career shifts over the course of like the last 20 years so it it i don't know like i feel like i've had a lot of life lived in the process and then all of a sudden, you know, you just kind of wake up and you're like, oh, wow, like, I, I'm i a completely different human on the mm-hmm. other side of this. And it feels great. Thank you. I, I mean, it really does feel great. And it also still hasn't hit me. Like, I keep having all these evenings where I keep thinking I'm supposed to be doing something. You know what I mean? Like, because um, I went to, I was in grad school at the same time is having a full-time job like through all three of my uh post-baccalaureate degrees so i'm not used to like coming home and they're not being like a thing i'm supposed to be doing there's always something to read there was always something to write and if i didn't have anything assigned like i probably still should be reading or writing something knowing (laughs) where the whole thing was moving and the last couple of weeks it's like oh i don't i I don't have to do anything. No, like, you just have to man. drink a glass of wine, relax, Done. and just Done. <laughs> <laughs> and just enjoy, just revel in being um, smart and accomplished. I was going to say, just sit back and revel in how smart you are. That's all. <laughs> Y'all are too sweet. Well, I have been leaning into that reveling. I I will say that I have thoroughly enjoyed like being able to come home, turn on Netflix open a bottle of wine and then like have my laptop be closed and let it stay closed. Um, So yeah, yeah, I feel more present in my own life. Um, And I've had, I decided I didn't want to have like a party. I didn't want to do anything to like mark the occasion. And um, several people in my life have said that that is not appropriate. We have commemorations (laughs) of, of things for a reason. And we are going to be commemorating this moment. So I've had like a lot of uh, 
celebratory moments sort of forced on me and I'm grateful <laughs> for that because <laughs> I'm not <laughs> usually that person. So yeah, it's been it's been really fun. So thank you. Yeah. Oh, good. Good. Well, you deserve it. That's yes. several decades of hard, hard work. Uh, honey, I was a, a Columbia student for 25 years. Like, I think I've had um, combined maybe like five years off where I wasn't a student, which is a very weird thing to kind of sit with it. Oh, you've been in college for 20 years. But that that kind of is what this is. is that well... Yeah. Hopefully. Yeah. Well, I don't know if you have to start paying off loans now, but. Um, yeah, <laughs> then, then, there, then there's that. <laughs> I'm like, uh, come on, Joe Biden, with this loan forgiveness. If I ever mean... you were going to do it, we've got but, six months. <laughs> but hopefully the bomb on that is, is that you are officially very wise and learned. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, good luck with that. Yeah, no, seriously. <laughs> so everybody write to your local congressperson, please, because this is not a game. <laughs> well, also, Paige, you had a big couple of weeks. I saw you on Instagram wearing colors down in South yeah. Florida, doing all the things. So what happened to you? <laughs> Yes, it has been one year since my initiation into the Orisha and Ifa tradition as a priest. I recently learned um the cool term a uh, priestex, oh. uh, uh, right? Uh, oh, gender. Okay. I like term, that. Right. Shout out to my friend Janata for that. Uh, priestex. I like that. I'm. Being I like happy. that. That sounds good. Uh, and you know, in the tradition, you after you're initiated, you're in white for a year. You're considered a spiritual newborn, fresh out the cosmic womb, and so you're sensitive and you wear white all the time. And there's other restrictions. And you know, I su successfully completed that year. So we had a celebration in South Florida with my spiritual family, and my partner came down too, and. There was music and I got to wear colors again. <laughs> really feeling the color pink right now. Um, and yeah, it's just been joyous. Well, it's been congratulations. Great. We're That's so proud of you. Yes, like, absolutely. Really you y'all, it has been quite the year. I told someone I am, I think I am probably unrecognizable to the version of myself that was present maybe like last January or something you know like at the beginning of 2022 that version of Paige is like unrecognizable to this one now mm -hmm. um, it's it has been incredible and my I have a new title I am no longer Iyawo okay uh I am now you know a special name for someone in the tradition who is fully grown up is Ialosha means mm -hmm. mother of Arisha or just Ia for short just a term for mother um but saying like mother of uh you know certain spiritual entity is certain you got a little bit of a little bit of authority just a little <laughs> bit of spiritual, <laughs> spiritual authority so yeah well, Ia, right. well so, come on yeah. Ia 
<laughs> Inawale. Mm-hmm. And then make Inawale still stay. So Ilo shit Inawale or Ia Inawale. All right. I love Definitely. that. Well, I love it. I love it. And it, and and you are correct. I mean, what I have noticed over the last year is just that your confidence has grown. Oh, thank you. Yes, absolutely. And it's just like it's been just such I don't know. I feel like I've just been on the sidelines watching you go through this journey and it's just been beautiful to see. So congratulations. Thank you so much. Yeah. I have wondered what other people around me who love me see and what they witness about my journey. So thank you for reflecting that back to me. <laughs> Yes. Well, you are welcome. You are welcome. Um, I, uh, I, I, Did not get a PhD or <laughs> make strides in my spiritual journey. Um, well, I I I I lifted two hundred seventy five pounds twelve times. What? That's Yes, exciting. what? Oh, that's That's exciting. an accomplishment. Come on now. <laughs> I suppose. that that's a a ton and a half. <laughs> I suppose. Anyway, but I'm so proud of the two of you. Um, hopefully I'll have some fun announcements to make soon. Um, but we have a really, really special show today. But I think before we get to that, um, I mean, a huge thing happened um, earlier this week, um, which is that we lost one of the greats. Um, Yeah. and I'm really sad about it. Um, and so just wanted to take a little moment to just honor the incredible Tina Turner and her incredible life. Um, Mm -hmm. Thank I mean, just legendary. you. Oh, legendary. Yeah. Yes. Um, and just send healing to all of her family and friends and everyone out there in the world that loved her. Do, do you all have any... particular special Tina Turner memories or thoughts or Oh, absolutely. Mm. I mean, so, so many. Who I mean doesn't so many have a positive memory associated with, with Tina Turner? I think, you know, the, the day that she passed, I, I think it was just a coincidence that some Black woman on my timeline had posted a video of another Black woman doing, maybe it was karaoke or something to Proud Mary. And, but the caption, the caption that she put was just like, Black people, specifically Black women, femme-identified folks in any way, you know what this song does to us when it comes on. You know, it's a it's a spiritual thing. Like, you can't sit still. You become Tina. You have to do the... Da -da -da. Oh. Like, we all go into full choreo. We all suddenly just left a good job in the city. Like, it's just a thing. And so that is what I think of with Tina. It's just that energy and like how it's really special when someone especially can make Black femmes and women feel empowered in that way through a song, you know, <laughs> mm -hmm. that just really gets to us. So... I I will ever appreciate for that her for that and just her whole life story and her resiliency and I I appreciate the black folks and who are Buddhist in my circle talking about her healing journey with Buddhism and how it's you know made them feel seen and just a life 
fully lived. And I'm so glad. I think the biggest thing I thought of when I heard she passed, I'm so glad that that musical came out mm-hmm. before she passed, that the documentary came out before she passed. Like, I'm just so glad that yeah. those flowers were given to her while she could smell them and fully enjoy them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, yeah. I, yeah, no, go ahead. No, go ahead. Um, I, I also appreciate about her the perspective that she had on her own iconography, right? Like she, she mm-hmm. clearly got it. Um, she believed in it. She didn't seem like one of those folks who constantly had to like defend it. And I think that's because we all clearly got it. But I also felt like she handled a lot of things with a lot of grace. Mm-hmm. Because one of my favorite like stories, which is partially um, apocryphal, I'm sure, was that year that Beyonce referred to Tina Turner as the queen at the Grammys. And Aretha Franklin was so in her feelings about it. And do y'all know the story? You've heard it before, right? I don't think so. I don't think I have, actually. This was, uh, I don't remember, 12 years ago, many years ago, where Beyonce was doing a tribute to Tina Turner at the Grammys and referred to her as the queen. And subsequently, Aretha Franklin complained, both like to the producers of the Grammy and also just to anybody who, you know, had a microphone. Mm. Because she felt like that title was already in use. And, you know, I don't, you know, I don't know, Elizabeth Alexandra Mary might have also felt like the title of the queen was in use and there can perhaps be more than one queen and, and the whole nine. But Tina Turner, like, didn't have, like, some wild reaction to it. She just kind of was like, well, okay. And just kind of, like, kept it moving. And there was something about how much she's accomplished, how much she's been through and how she always seemed to be in full possession of her humility and her humanity at every moment without being self-effacing. Mm-hmm. You know, like she she was she didn't like bite her tongue. She didn't try to make the Ike Turner stuff seem cuter or cleaner than it was. She was just honest about stuff. She seemed like a whole person in there and one who could really take things in stride, which I feel like many, many celebrities don't seem like they can do at this point. Mm-hmm. So I, I just, I like that, right? Like there was real role model stuff in that for me, just seeing like, you can be a grown up, You can have a, a really healthy opinion of yourself and a good perspective on where you've come from and you don't have to turn into a monster. Mm-hmm. You can still just be you and exist very fully in that space. I love that. I, I love that. And I also love that you can see how she inspired Beyonce without ever getting the impression that Beyonce is like copying her. Mm-hmm. Like you actually can see like the lineage of like expressive inspiration. And I also like that. Cause I feel like that's, that's how you, um, to me, that's how you show gratitude to someone. If you look at them as an idol or a mentor or whatever, right? Like in that true inspiration, that's not just about imitation. So yeah, I love Tina Turner and I have since I was four years old. Um, What's Love Got to Do With It is uh, one of the first albums I ever owned. I had it on 45 and used to play it on a Fraggle Rock record player uh, when I was like four years old and would, you know, scream the song at the top of my lungs as a kid. So yeah, it's been a 
than a good life of Tina. Yeah. And, you know, and of course the movie, What's Love Got to Do With It, was a formative experience for oh, me. And, no. and, you know, like you said, um, Paige, I, I just remember being like nine years old in the living room, Proud Mary come on, comes on in my head. I'm wearing the tassels. Yes. <laughs> I'm spinning around, <laughs> up and down. <laughs> um, but, you know, I, I all the everything that you all have just said her incredible story so inspiring her humility her faith her just everything but I think also just the music the art that she produced was just so powerful it was she wasn't afraid to get gritty to get ugly to really just like talk about the things that like mattered to her and you know and and really sort of reveal just sort of these you know even in the some the songs that you know seem kind of for whatever reason I woke up this morning and I had golden eye in my head (laughs) 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 I was just like brushing my teeth like with a golden eye (laughs) (laughs) and it's just like even like you know like a sort of like Bond theme like she set the template for Bond themes to come like all of the 90s Bond themes like she was just such a trailblazer and because everything just like when you say like you know queen of soul queen of rock and roll like it's because all of that was really coming from her soul she wasn't afraid to just like lay all of that bare and you see like all these pictures of her performing and she's making like these like mean mugs and like ugly faces and like you know those arms like those Michelle Obama arms before Michelle Obama had them. (laughs) (laughs) Like just that strength, just that power. And like, you know, I think there are some people that get close to sort of singing with that sort of raw sort of exposed kind of nerve. Um, But there's just nobody that was able to do it like her. And like from the beginning, from the very beginning, um, it it's just incredible just the artistry and just like and good for her for getting out of here going to switzerland (laughs) buying a castle (laughs) and just saying this is where i'm gonna be (laughs) you all have fun over there um but she just she deserved and you know she's just just an inspiration so what is everybody's favorite Tina Turner song? Ooh. Mm. I knew you were going to ask this. Yes. Mm. So hopefully you have an answer prepared as I do. Well, you, <laughs> you go first. Yes, please. Because I have a couple. Yeah, I do too. <laughs> <laughs> I'll make mine quick. Um, it is a three-way tie between Private Dancer um, the the lyrics of like the whole narrative of that song is just mm-hmm. it's incredible and, and devastating. Um, Walk with me, she does that a, like a really hard rock version of the spiritual, where it's like just her over um, an electric guitar. It's a very uh, profound kind of a moment, right? Like it's just pure emotion. And then the third one is an oldie but goodie, River Deep Mountain High. Yeah, I was going to say River Deep Mountain High. Um, 
I also love Simply the Best. Oh, absolutely. Oh, yes. <laughs> and I don't know, I think because when I was a kid, I watched What's Love Got to Do With It so many times. Like, I don't even, like, that VHS was worn out, honey. Like, <laughs> it was, like, weekly for me. So I think I don't want to, uh, I don't want to fight because it was over the closing credits. Is that what the name of that song is? I don't care who's wrong or right. I don't really want to fight no more. Is that the name of that song? It might be. Anyway, that song. It's definitely River Deep, Mountain High. Um, And I would also say... I think simply the best, but I think it's, I think because I, I still feel like that Tina needs to be fully, still yet to be fully elevated specifically as a black woman rock star. Yes. Rock star specifically and like simply the best is just it's just it's a rock ballad it's a power ballad Ugh, like she's she's just she's so sickening in every way and just also when we talk about specific specific Beyonce to Tina Turner pipeline inspirations um you know Tina Turner walked so that uh, don't hurt yourself. Mm. I care could fly. Mm. Okay. Specifically, especially how Beyonce performs those now with the guitars and the way she thrashes her hair around when she's performing. I care on that Mm -hmm. homecoming tour. It's completely Tina without being directly, obviously Tina. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. The influence. Ugh. Yeah. <laughs> and if we're talking about rock ballads, special special mention, honorable mention should go to uh We Don't Need Another Hero. Yeah. Just saying. Yeah. <laughs> and just her entire performance as Auntie Entity in Beyond the Thunderdome. Yeah. Because that's iconic. <laughs> <laughs> so many iconic things. Such an iconic life um so we love you tina and thank you thank you so much um but we do have another incredible 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 conversation to get to and i'm so excited because Paige, you put this together um the conversation that we're about to share with everyone do you want to give everyone just a little a little preview of what's uh, what you put together and what we'll all hear after the break. Yeah, just a little bit. So, you know, I curated a little trans takeover. Yes. Um, and... <laughs> <laughs> so we are going to talk about, you know, how the industries that we work in are currently talking about, we're not talking about transgender non-conforming folks. We are talking about why they're acting so dang scared in this moment to say anything or do anything of meaning 
we talk about what's missing from the current conversation and what's misunderstood. And so it'll be me, it'll be Frankie, friend of the show, Jeremiah Sanders and my partner Nadine, all talking about our different perspectives. Well, I cannot wait to hear what you all get into. And luckily, I don't have to because (laughs) we'll hear it right after the break. So we'll be right back. All right, everybody, welcome back to The Score. We have a very special segment for you today all about us. And when I say us, I mean us, magical, trans, gender non-conforming, non-binary, agender, all of that gang gang. Welcome. This is our segment this time. It's uh, it's the trans takeover. <laughs> and I am here with three awesome guests. Uh, I'm going to let them mostly introduce themselves. We have Frankie, friend of the show. Uh, y'all know and love Frankie. Welcome back. We have the fantastically talented Jeremiah Sanders, who is an opera artist who has been with the Minnesota Opera and the Resident Artist Program for the past season. They'll be coming back for another season. We'll let them talk more about about their journey. And then we have my brilliant dear partner in life and business, <laughs> Nadine, who is here, who is a full spectrum birth worker, educator, uh, all around badass. Um, and yeah, I'm gonna let everybody else introduce themselves further. Today, we're just mostly gonna talk about what's going on. What is going on? We've talked about it a little bit just like hinted in past podcast episodes the you know all the foolishness and joy happening in the world right now you know around gender identity uh, around shoot politics around shoot uh, all the stuff maybe. we're going to talk about it we're going to get into it <laughs> so frankie frankie how you doing you want to introduce yourself a little further and no. how about, you know, when y'all introduce yourself, what's something that's giving you this, let's start with happy. Yeah. What's something that's giving you euphoria? What's something that's giving you some some gender euphoria recently? Oh, the sun, the sun being out, it being nice out, like just going out and yeah, I'll sit in my hammock on some days and just in a park is lovely. Um, but hi, it's so good to be back on the score. I'm Frankie Charles. My pronouns are he, him. I am a queer trans man. I'm Cuban American. I am the assistant director of access and civic engagement at the Minnesota Opera. Um, and today I will be highlighting my other position um, as director of development and belonging at Minnesota Transplant Project. Um, but we'll talk more about that in a bit. Yay! So excited to hear more about the Transplant Project. Jeremiah, hey, how you doing today? Would you like to introduce yourself to the people? (laughs) Sure thing. Hi, I'm Jeremiah Sanders. I am an opera singer, a baritone. Um, I'm also a teacher, a scholar, and an advocate. 
Um, I'm just thrilled to be here with Frankie and Paige and Nadine. I'm very excited to chat about what is going on. Um, something that's bringing me joy. Um, I'm really excited to spend a little time with my family. I have a two-year-old niece and a three-month-old nephew my little nibblings. <laughs> so I'm going to love on them this week and, and see my grandmas. And I'm really excited about that. It's been, it's been a long, long time since I've gotten home. So yeah. Mm, joyful indeed. Yes. Shout out to grandma energy. Seeing your grandma will really fill you up. Nadine, what's up? Well, introduce yourself to the people and something that's bringing you euphoria. Yes. Well, I'm also excited to be here. Um, what's bringing me euphoria is the fact that this big, huge doula training that we have been working on for so long is finally launching. And we have our first cohort um, joining us this coming weekend. So so I'm I'm really excited about that. Uh, a little bit more about me. My pronouns are they, them. Um, I'm a queer, trans, African-American, um, full spectrum birth worker. Uh, and I, I do a lot of different projects in the Twin Cities. So I'm also a project coordinator with um, something called the BIPOC Trans Housing Project. Um, where I'm kind of supporting some orgs and distributing funds where they are supposed to go, making sure that the people are getting the things. Um, I'm also the executive director and lead educator and also founder of Birth Revolution, which is a black and indigenous, queer and trans focused um, birth work training and also a consulting group. Um, working to diversify the birth work world and help um, black and brown queer and trans families connect with doulas that are a cultural match for them. In addition to that, I'm also on this path of becoming a midwife, which is a lot of work. <laughs> <laughs> but um, you know, the ancestors lead the way. So I'm just going along the path. Mm -hmm. And so, so needed. I'm, I, I'm already planning for Nadine to be my midwife. So that's just, <laughs> <laughs> and at this point, I might know a couple other people who are too, there, there's a queue. So all those people out there listening, you know, <laughs> you yeah. got a queue behind me. Um, so y'all, Y'all, actually, you know what? Let me introduce myself first because I realize that I'm on this show all the time, but I don't always talk about, you know, the things we do outside of this show. Me, Lee, and Rocky all have a bunch of stuff. So once again, I'm Paige. My pronouns are they, them. Uh, I am a full spectrum birth worker. I am an artist. I am an organizer, an abolitionist. I am an a Black American spiritualist and 
ancestral healer that is reclaiming our traditions for the holistic health and liberation of our people, especially Black and Indigenous, queer and trans folks. Um, I am a part of a dope organization based here in the Twin Cities called Relationships Evolving Possibilities, aka Rep for MN, that focuses on building uh, community safety that doesn't have to do with police or other systems that seek to harm us. So training up our neighbors and ways to build pods or how to uh, take care of each other in times of crisis or conflict. And I'm also an educator um, board member with Birth Revolution with Nadine. And I am so excited about everything that we're building over there. They talked about um, yeah, and I, you know, I was a re recently initiated into my ancestral spiritual traditions, uh, Ifa Orisha tradition. A lot of people heard of it. I realize I'm trying to start naming it more. It is one of the six largest religions in the world. You know, it just people don't realize that because it's mostly black folks, straight up. So, <laughs> so uh, yeah, that's something that's a big part of my life and how I move through the world. Um, yeah, y'all, let's look it, up. look it off with the quick question. Start first question. So, like, we've all talked a little bit about about our work and stuff, and I would love to know, like, what's your perspective on how your industry, your profession, your you know, sector of the world is currently treating transgender expansive folks like what's what's the conversation if there's a conversation at all um and yeah what's your what's your your take on on what's happening well the 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 opera world the arts world um is is figuring it out um i'll say it that way uh i don't know if jeremiah may have a different opinion from from the like artist side as as opposed to the admin side but we're um at least talking about it enough um and supporting enough that we are going to sorry i'm it's not necessarily related to the opera, so Minnesota Opera, but um, I'm working with some of the teaching artists um, from the education department, and uh, we are they're putting together a song cycle. No, that might not be the right, uh, but like the trajectory of like a trans experience um, of, of like a more trans masculine experience. Uh, but but yeah, so like a series of songs and they're starting with musical theater um, and I've asked for a opera version as well. So they're going through a bunch of different musical theater um, pieces and finding songs that sort of connect with like first that questioning period and then that like beginning transition period and then like a euphoria period and then a then I like fully realized like this is who I am kind of so there's four different um four different parts to the to the musical piece um and so that it'll be a musical musical version and then at some point they're developing also an opera version um and yeah so that's pretty neat uh and just through the work that I've done at the opera, finding out that um, 
the University of Minnesota and the Lions Clinic, a shout out to them. Um, they're doing a lot of work helping trans folks develop and find confidence within their voice during their transition, um, because that's that's actually a thing that not a lot of people, well, I mean, cis people don't have to think about it, um, yeah. how their voice comes across when they've just started just started hormones, whatever that means um, for them. And is yeah, it can be like the voice goes through so many changes. Um, Transmasculine folks, it's it's a constantly changing. Um, Trans feminine folks less so, but like there are still things that they can do to train their voice and and also just not give up on singing as well, which I think is the other really lovely part of that work because there are so many people who who feel good about singing. Yeah, so there's a lot. (laughs) Yeah, that sounds really cool. The whole idea of having like a resource for other singers to delve into both opera, musical theater songs. Um, I'm like super interested in learning more about that. That's super cool. The teacher in me is like, oh, this might be a great resource for some (laughs) students that I might have. (laughs) Um, So I think uh, I want to kind of give two angles. Um, I'll start with the opera angle. Um, As an artist, I feel like there are a handful and that might be generous to say, but there are a handful of organizations um, that produce operas that are like conscious. Um, and then there is kind of a big ambiguous group of everybody else. Like I'm not really sure where their values lie. Um, I think about as a performer, like when I'm going into spaces, how um how my presentation as a non-binary person might be perceived um, and how brave do I want to show up to that space, right? Because the way that I show up is going to set the tone for my experience. Um, And I think back to like this past spring, I had a gig in Florida and I was like, having a lot of um, anxious thoughts about going there with all the rhetoric. Um, And that kind of brought up a larger idea about being choiceful as an artist. And like now that people are leading with so much um, transphobic rhetoric and propaganda, like, are is is going to Florida and performing a concert for two days worth it for me? Um, and so like asking myself serious questions about, am I about to miss this money? <laughs> am I gonna miss a check? Um, where where do my values lie? Um who are these people? Um, and really kind of couching myself in the fact that a lot of times marginalized people um, don't have the access sometimes to like get out of those places. So they still exist there, right? Um, And there's like a lot of 
dissonance that that happens when like you don't have the power privilege or means to kind of uproot yourself out of your home and things are like existing around you that you don't necessarily subscribe to so like it was a it was a big messy um noodle I'll say of thoughts and feelings and I ended up going um and I made the choice to present traditionally masculine I had my nails did and I wore my earrings but that was subtle things that I felt like I could keep um in that space it also was like at a church and I I was just kind of like I don't know what the Episcopalians of Gainesville, Florida are giving. So <laughs> let me just plan. <laughs> let me just plan to get in and get out. Um, and while I was there, I I, I was pleasantly surprised. Um, like there were there was a counter movement going on. Um, not a big one, but like just subtly, I saw some pride flags and people were welcoming and whatnot. And um, yeah, so the the larger idea of the levels of power are doing one thing, but the people are doing another thing, like it blows my mind sometimes. And it, I think it's an important part of um, like considerations as artists navigate this industry especially since people aren't always values forward like when rhetoric is being spewed out I feel like people get scared um like institutions get scared um and knowing that I have a certain amount of power as an artist to show up in a space and to to not take that power lightly but also think about my safety um yeah that's a a messy (laughs) word salad um so I hope somebody got something from that but um the other side of teaching um there are a lot of resources that have been coming out in the last couple of years well I don't want to say couple I'll say for the last like five to ten years on um the transgender singing voice and like resources for pedagogy and songs um, to help people through their transitions. And um, I recently am, uh, finished doctoral coursework at Indiana University, um, where I got certified, thank you, where I got certified in vocology and like thinking about the science and practice of the singing voice and approaching voice building from a non-gendered perspective but like also knowing that that matters to people in various different ways and like helping people through whatever vocal faults that they might find themselves having but also not not treating like people as problems right like our voices are so intimate and personal to us um it's something that's housed in our bodies like we carry it with us as we change and grow and develop in life like our voices do too um and so being solution oriented and and having skills to help any singer but especially knowing that there are resources and scientists vocal scientists that are like focused on transgender uh, singing voices 
has become a big interest of mine as well. Okay. Ooh, I'm I'm so excited for y'all who are doing that work because I think about I think about how like my journey with singing could have been different if there was some <laughs> non-gendered um more curriculum. And I also I want to put a pin in what you said about institutions getting scared. We just gonna we just gonna put a pin in that and put a sticky note up in the conversation and come back to it. Nadine. <laughs> I would love for you to answer this question. Um, I know you got things to say. What's up? Yeah. What's up in your industry? Yeah. Okay. So how does the birth world currently treat trans people? Woo! Like <laughs> trash. Okay. Terribly. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is compounded when we think about race as well. When we think about ability levels. There are just, there are so many barriers to care. I mean, we think about like the structural barriers, like for instance, trying to get a birth certificate and people putting the, like the dad who gave birth to the baby down as the mother or, you know, maternal. Um, We have like issues like that or, non-binary parents being like can we just be parents instead of somebody having to be gendered here um there are issues with queer folks going to get prenatal care and the provider treating the partner like oh your sister's here is this your sister or your family members here to support you huh and it's like no this is my wife (laughs) you know um so those kind of issues come up there are cost issues because i mean just going through the process of trying to get pregnant um can be more challenging for queer people, for trans people, for people who don't have access to like sperm as well. Um, That costs money. Um, There also just aren't very many queer and trans competent providers out here. The providers are really just like putting the bike together as they're riding it when it comes to providing care to anybody other than a cisgender heterosexual married couple (laughs) um so there are lots of of issues and a lot of times providers think that taking care of trans people is just like somehow high risk or too medically complex when really people are just asking like hey this is my name and these are my pronouns and here's how you can refer to my body and just let me have my baby which is not hard but cisgender people and straight people somehow are just they are fighting for their lives they're like this is the most difficult thing (laughs) ever (laughs) which you know it's just not they're doing too much, you know? And on top of that, there is 
of complete lack of research. And a lot of people know, a lot of people are hearing now about how Black women are three to five times in some states um, more likely to die from pregnancy-related, birth-related complications than other races. And if we think about the fact that the EMR, right, the like digital portal, like your healthcare, your chart, your digital chart that has all your information in it, has no way to track for gender outside of man, woman, male, female, that's it. Um, So if we think about these statistics, there are also people like me who are trans folks, who are out here having babies, who are also wrapped up in those statistics for Black women. Um, But there isn't a lot of money and time and resources being shuffled toward our communities because um, there's, we just are erased. We get lost in the numbers. Um, so it's not, it's not great. But generally people are not having a good time having babies in this country um, because of the medical industrial complex. Um, and I do wanna rewind just a little bit because a lot of people don't know what a doula is or what a birth worker even does. Um, yeah, it's still and <laughs> so a doula is someone who, well, a full spectrum doula is someone who supports people through pregnancy, birth, the postpartum period, also supports people through loss and abortion as well. Um, and by support, I don't mean that we are like medical providers doing anything medical. We are purely there to help families find all of the information they need in order to make um, empowered decisions and um, also to like hold the providers accountable to explain what's actually going on so that people don't feel like their birth is just happening to them or this loss or this abortion is just happening to them and they are not active in it. Um, You know, and advocating with families as well to make sure that um, people are getting the care that they deserve. So yeah, it's not a a great landscape, I'm gonna be real, but um, there are things there are things moving and happening. You know, I started Birth Revolution because I was also seeing that there are a lot of birth workers out here who have no idea how to like take care of families who are not the exact same as them. Um, (laughs) You know, and also to just like bring more trans people and especially trans people of color into the work because the training is very gendered. The entire birth world is very, very, very gendered. And it is hard to sit through these trainings 
and have people talk about these experiences and um, just completely act like we don't exist. And it's like woman, woman, womb. <laughs> just the women, just only the women. And it's like, we're out here too, you know, but not everybody can teach that. Um, yeah. So, I mean, we see the birth world getting more diversified. Also, there are more queer and trans folks getting into these, um, like roles where they have some power, you know, becoming midwives, becoming providers and stuff. Although there are wild barriers there as well, because just getting through the education portion is like torture, but, um, we're getting there. We're figuring it out little by little. Little by little, bit by bit, I feel like I see new queer and trans providers popping up all the time. And I hope that just continues. <laughs> I want to return to that point about institutions getting scared in this time. Um, that is something that I feel like we probably, especially especially being trans folks of color, have probably experienced on many fronts in many ways. We are also, at the time that we're recording this, it is um, three years since uh, Minneapolis police murdered George Floyd. I think about how, you know, we watched institutions get scared there, how I'm watching them be scared now. So <laughs> mm -hmm. I wonder if each of you can, each of you can speak to that, like what, what are the ways people need to get past their fragility? And also like, also just highlighting that like individual queer and trans folks, especially if you black or brown are not waiting on you institutions because this is our actual lives that we're talking about here. We, we ain't got time to wait while people are being fragile. So your thoughts, anybody's thoughts, anyone can jump in. <laughs> um, I guess I'll start <laughs> and say that um, one of the things that I think is really important is to remember, like like you just said, we're, we, can, we cannot wait for you all. By the time you all catch up to where we are, like we we're we're already gone. Like we we have to keep working for our safety and our progress and making sure that we are securing our rights to exist. Like sometimes it literally is just fighting for humanity, you know what I mean? Fighting for our own humanity. And so um it when I see a flag. I'm gonna call it like I have had some conversations where um, people have said like, oh, I'm not sure that that is our responsibility. And I am saying, oh, well, this was a situation where I was unsafe, actually. So. And just being like very transparent about that, um, like 
if you're not sure about my safety now that now that all of the cards on the table then that probably means that we need to separate um which can be can be difficult when it's there's a check behind it like it sucks to be in this capitalistic society um where you have to consider those things but i feel like as for me <laughs> in my house i'm always going to choose um what is safest for me and uh if an institution doesn't know and is going to wait around to find out like i, I just can't I, I can't like I don't have that type of uh privilege right to to wait because waiting might mean I'm gone I'm erased or I don't want to get too um too critical with the language but it, it could have very severe implications for people who look like me and who exist in the world like I do um so I'm rolling the ball out. Who wants to kick it next? <laughs> I got it. I'll catch it. Okay. Um, okay. So what do, what do I have to say about institutions that are acting scared in this moment? Um, skip y'all. Bye. Yeah. That's what I have to say. If you scared, go to church. Shoot. <laughs> That's what I got to say. <laughs> Get on out of here. We ain't got time for that. You know, um, they can they can kick rocks and keep it moving. You're afraid. OK, well, we don't need we don't need fear. We're not operating in a in a fear based way. We operating out of abundance and out of the belief that. Things are going to work out for us and out of the belief that um, our liberation is is within reach. And if these institutions are not willing to come along for that ride and support and amplify, then um, they just gonna get left. And that's okay because not everybody gets to come along. And I think it's, um, I appreciate the institutions who are scary for revealing that because um, that just gives me more clarity about where I need to go and where I do not need to go and where I need to steer my clients clear of. So I'm like, right. yeah, mm -hmm. that's how I feel about that one. It's like have some imagination, y'all. Like. Because they when have you align yourself, nation of a white man. <laughs> I was just gonna say, like you're aligning yourself with oppression, uh, like <laughs> especially when it comes to like the current rhetoric around trans and gender non-conforming folks. I'm just like, do you not see how that is directly being fueled by like? fascist white christian evangelical hegemony like that's what you support and do you want all the other things that come along with that do you want 
Do you want all health care for anybody who's not a cisgender man to go away? Because that's what they're trying to do. Like, do you want all the things about your ethnic heritage and education going away too? Like, you're supporting a whole ecosystem of oppression. Like, it's all connected. Why don't people get that? When you're aligning yourself with the people who... <laughs> and when you find yourself having the same talking points as the far right, you might want to check yourself. If any, even one of those talking points is the same, you might want to reevaluate. And I don't know what institutions aren't getting about that. But that's the T though. But that's the T. The T is that they don't care. They just care about optics. And mm -hmm. um, if, if the optics were okay and they could openly be like that, they would. They have been already. It's happened already. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So I think we just need to band together. You know, I look to the younger generation and I see I see the children out here living. Okay. Gen Z no is turning up very LGBTQ. <laughs> it's amazing. It really you know is. what I'm saying? I'm like, it's... dang, my kids are talking to me about like gender and stuff and pronouns. And well, I want to try this pronoun now and we'll just see how I feel about it. And I'm like, period. Okay, let's do it. And so it's going to get to a point where you either moving and shaking with us or you're in the dust. And I feel I feel good about that. Yeah, no, I feel very good about that too. <laughs> oh God, yeah, yeah. I don't have time for institutions that are scared. With I agree with everything everyone said. <laughs> well, I know we only have a few minutes before Jeremiah has a hard out soon, and we want to make sure though that I I want to hear from each of you. Like, what do you think? If there's like one thing that you could just insert into the conversation right now, the whole conversation that you feel like is missing, like what what would that be? I would say just reiterating that it's possible that although there are a lot of barriers, you know, when it comes to the arts field, when it comes to the birth world, even housing stuff, which is another industry that I'm a kind of a part of, um, although there are barriers, there is always room for joy. Um, and just like wanting to bring that always to the forefront, that there are people out here who are um, accessing the resources and having positive experiences. And you just gotta tap in with your people um to get it so definitely I echo that um I do a lot of my time thinking about how um, most of these like large picture institutions like operas and art form um developed and where it developed and some of the other things that those cultures were practicing um like colonialism and 
enslavement of Africans and genocide and things like that, and how there's a silence sort of missing from the classical arts. Like we elevate it and we don't seem to use our critical thinking skills to cross multiply and divide both sides to mm -hmm. know that you know yeah this music is great if you think it is but it's just music it doesn't need to be on a pedestal um and I have like how many degrees in this right um but there are multiple ways of like making art and art is a flexible thing it's not rigid and so um I think that the survival of these arts are going to have to lean more into being flexible um, if they should survive. I think that, yeah, critical thinking and um, imagination are going to be the ways forward. And that for so long, these art forms were used to kind of prop up one kind of idea. Um, and so there's a lot of power in that. There, there's so many things that once you start to deconstruct and really get into the nitty gritty, I'm not sure that that's what, I'm not sure if we wanna continue all of that. Um, and so using our imagination and critical thinking is going to detangle us and, and help us find ways, meaningful ways to move forward and to center those people that have been marginalized by, by it. Frankie, what'd you have to say about what you think is missing from the conversation right now? Mm. Nuance. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Nuance always. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, yeah, there's so much. And like, just even thinking about what Nadine had been saying about the birthing world and like Paige may know this, um, but Nadine, in October, I had a total hysterectomy and just like thinking about the decisions that I had to make on my own emotionally and mentally to be like, okay, and this like signing that piece of paper that's like, yeah, I'm going to be sterile in the medical sense, um, that was a lot. And uh, just, and so it's, I feel like, yeah, the nuance of the issue, or it, cause there is no issue. The issue is they don't want us to exist. Um, the issue is our existence for some people. Um, and yeah, it's just, uh, um, but I wish, I wish more people talked about our own humanity. Like, I wish they could center, center someone other than themselves. Um, and I, like, that is the issue with them. They can't. Uh, but it's, when I, when I, when I think about, like, the Bud Light commercial nonsense with Dylan Mulvaney and, like, people are go people were attacking her online and like she's just a human being trying to live out her life like and it's just bad beer like bud light's not even that good 
That's nasty. <laughs> all this over Bud Light? <laughs> yeah. Like, why? Um, but but the thing is that the other thing that I do think is missing is the fact that like a lot of people are going to realize that they have to move or relocate or what have you get out of their current situation very quickly um, and with little to no notice because a lot of these legislation a lot of the legislation comes out, I think it's on Monday. Um, and then it's like, well, what are you gonna do? How are you gonna respond? Um, but the another organization that I'm working with, the Minnesota Transplant Project, um, is supporting the relocation efforts of individuals who identify as transgender, non-binary, and gender non-conforming, um, who are hoping to move to the state of Minnesota. And We've got a website, mntransplantproject.org, where you can donate funds, you can request help, we can let you know how to help. We have a whole resource list of things for folks. If you need, like, if you need help finding a medical provider, we're, we, we're navigating that. Um, and so, yeah, it's, it, we are attempting to fill that gap um, that is the, like, oh, that people are leaving states and like, where are they going? How are they getting there? If you need, if you need help relocating, you can reach out to us and we will figure out what you, we will figure out how to get you what you need so you can get to where you're going safely. Um, so yeah, that's, that's that project. And so that's, yeah, because relocating is hard and having to do that in, a physical state of fear is not great. And so whatever we can do to support people as they come to Minnesota is, is how we're, we're gonna do it. So anyone who's listening who has maybe some extra funds to donate, we are 501c3 nonprofit. Uh, contributions are tax deductible to the full extent of the law. So please help mm -hmm. trans folks. But is it not even if mm -mm, I know there are people who listen to this podcast who have coin in their own pocket, who have their hands on the purses of their institutions? You heard what Frankie just said. Okay, that, that's all. That's all. <laughs> also, um, I'm really excited to like hear about this project because um with the BIPOC trans housing project that I'm working with right now we're like trying to bring together certain orgs who have like who genuinely want to support trans people having stable housing and so I'd love to like talk more about how we can support what's going on over there and yeah, just work together. Yeah, no, definitely. And and whether this makes it into the podcast or not, but Nadine is here, and so I'm gonna I'm gonna ask this question. Um, <laughs> have you heard of the Queer Equity Institute? I haven't. Okay, so Representative Lee Fink is working on um, creating just an institute for like a physical location in Minnesota for folks to just be, um, and it, the website is 
uh, the Institute supports queer leadership. We aim to equip queer people with everything they need to be civic steward and political leaders in their communities in Minnesota and beyond. And they're, they're having a casino night to fundraise uh, Saturday, June 3rd at the Solar Arts Building in Minneapolis from 6 to 11 p.m. Um, so that's a that's a social function. But otherwise, Nadine, you should definitely get in contact with them um, and we'll definitely talk uh, because I'm all about housing. I personal histories with housing. So yeah, it's close to my heart. <laughs> yeah, yeah, same. Um, thank you for telling me about this. I'm definitely gonna tap in. Yeah, please. cool. Yeah, I, I think one of the things that gets like missing from the conversation, like we talked about this earlier, but just like reiterating again that like this is people's real lives being impacted in real time like and this is why we're sitting here making these connections sitting here like oh you're doing that like I need to tap in because again this is people's real everyday lives we're talking about being impacted I think a lot of individuals and institutions severely underestimate how many trans and queer people are in their lives, are in their in communities, in their families, um, just in your circle in general. And you maybe you think that you don't know anybody who's being impacted right now. You do. You absolutely do. Also, like the policies and stuff you see, it's not just ideas. Like these ideas are getting into people who have the institutional power and privilege to make it into policy, into law that affects people. So when you are supporting a bigoted idea, you know, or you're real on the fence of, oh, I don't know. I mean, I support trans people, but what about the kids? Like that's that's what a lot of people end up doing. Like, you're no. The kids to grow up to be adults. We just want them to grow up. Hello. However they want. There are Those already adults. That's all. Trans kids in Florida that have been taken away from their homes. The homes where they are supported, where they're healthy, they're fed, they're simply off the basis of their parents are affirming their gender. Like this is real. This is real that's happening. Um, and so we ain't got time for, for people to be fragile. Again, if you think you don't know somebody who's trans or gender non-conforming or agender, you you do. Literally, while I was in Florida the past weekend, I was like, oh, hold on. Did it just become illegal for me to enter this bathroom? Damn. <laughs> like, I was sitting there. I was like, wait, this says you're not allowed to enter the bathroom. It doesn't match your assigned sex at birth I'm non-binary and I'm going into oh I'm breaking the law now damn like it's it's literally like that that simple so I think folks need to keep that in mind and anything else Frankie that you want to plug about this conversation about the personal work that you're doing uh or the projects that you're doing that you want the people to support um before we wrap up here I just I'm just stuck on Break it, breaking the law by going to the bathroom. And like, well, if you look at the map that comes out, uh, there's this there's this person that's been putting out a uh, like errand in the morning, I think. Um, but it's 
it's a coded map of the states that are like super, super bad to be in. And so they're like dark red. Um, and it's like, it, it, you can't travel anywhere without fearing for your life because you don't know who's going to be on the other end of that, like the gas station countertop. Like, are they going to, yeah. And as someone who experiences levels of like passing privilege, like I, for this is an audio podcast, no one can see me, but like, I have a full beard. Like I, I pass very well at this point, but like, I still fear for my life. And you know, for everyone who doesn't think that I'm trans, like that's just, ugh, it, yeah. Like it's an erasure of my experience. Um, so even though some people find it flattering, again, erasure, uh, I enjoy claiming my trans experience. It's framed who I am and who, who I'm becoming every day. And that's very important to me. And so like, yeah, like it's, it's scary out there to be who we are, but we do, we persist because we've, we've, we've existed for, for generations and we will continue to, even though they try to get rid of us. Like, it's just, there's no way. Cause they, yeah, they can't, they can't keep us down. <laughs> Period. Yep. Jeremiah, is there anything you want people to know about what you have coming up, where they can see you on stage or, or where you're teaching? Anything you want to share? Sure. Everybody, it's been so great to talk with you all today. Um, if you want to follow me on social media, I am jeremiah.marcel on Instagram and on TikTok. Um, and I also have a website, jeremiahmarcelsanders.com. Um, and you can see what's coming up for me on there. Thank you all so much. It's been such a pleasure. Thank you. Absolutely. Maybe anything else you wanted to share about your work or a final nugget for the people that you want to share? Um, well, I do just want to go back and touch on um, what was said earlier about um, the, your hysterectomy and having to go through that alone. Mm -hmm. um, like that is so hard to deal with solo. And I just wanna like validate that. I appreciate that, thank you. Cause yeah, it's, it's weird being socially masculine and then having that experience and like not knowing how to share it um, or like what spaces. Cause like, I'm, I'm also not trying to take away from the very real experiences of women that have endometriosis or trans folks who have endometriosis or like, and people who can't necessarily just have, have surgeries like that. Like I know folks who can't have top surgery because of other things and it's so, but yeah, it, yeah, it's, thank you. <laughs> yeah, of course. Um, and I guess I'll just throw my little shameless plug in here since we're, we're at that point in the podcast. Um, if there is anybody out there who wants to train to become a birth worker and support people um, through birth, through pregnancy, through um, the beginning parts of the postpartum period, 
through loss, through abortion, please feel free to contact me at thebirthrevolution.org um, or on Instagram at birthrevolution. And let's like get started on this journey. Shay, well, thank you all so much for joining us for this very special trans takeover of the score. Um, I feel like we probably just need to do these more often, honestly, because I know even with, we said so much, we gave so many gems and at the same time, we only scratched the surface. So <laughs> thank you all so, so much. Thank you for being here, Frankie and Nadine and Jeremiah. Folks, follow them, support their work. Um, share it with your friends, with your family, with your mama, with your pastor, give up your coins, all of that. And we are going to take a quick break and be right back with Pure Black Joy for PB&J for the soul. All right. Thank you so much, Ia. That was the moment. That was a word. <laughs> that was amazing. Congratulations. Thank you so much. Thank you. Yes, yes, yes. We love that. We love that. Um, But it is time for our final segment of the show, and we'll keep it brief this week. Um, but are you ready, Paige? Ready. And a one, and a two, and a one, two, three, four. It's peanut butter jelly time, peanut butter jelly time, peanut butter jelly time, peanut butter jelly, peanut butter jelly, peanut butter jelly with a baseball bat, peanut butter jelly, peanut butter jelly, peanut butter jelly with a baseball bat, peanut butter jelly, peanut butter jelly, PB and J time. So smooth. Yes, it is time for Pure Black Joy, where we celebrate all of the Black people, places, things, ideas, art, music um, that's making us happy this week. Um, who would like to go first? Anyone? I can go first. Go for it. All right. Um, yeah, no, so in preparation, I, I jumped on Twitter really quick, and I saw that Pam Greer was trending, and I was like, oh, Lord, Jesus, God, no. <laughs> 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 After 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 our tina turner conversation um but no it's just we are recording this on friday may 26th and it turns out that it is pam Greer's birthday oh gemini season um you know i'm a gemini rising so i just want to send some love out to the gemini's out there and i also learned that miss greer also uh shares a birthday with lauren hill lenny kravitz and a happy heavenly birthday to Miles Davis. Oh. So, oh. Friday, May, tw- May 26th, a day for Black excellence, apparently. Mm-hmm. That makes a lot of sense. <laughs> Gemini energy. That mm-hmm. makes so much sense. Yes. <laughs> happy birthday to all of those amazing people. So who wants to go next? go next honestly at first I was struggling to think of it but the thing that is giving me the most black joy in this moment is the incredible guests that we just had Mm. on the trans takeover and just like all the cool things that we're doing it's really what gives me hope 
in the face of so much BS, like <laughs> that, you know, we never have and never will stop finding alternative ways to thrive and to build families and build our communities and take care of each other. So shout out to Frankie, who is working on the transplant project. That is so dope that there are people working on helping folks relocate here and get gender affirming care. I mean, here to Minnesota, mm -hmm. it declared itself like a sanctuary state, basically for reproductive rights for gender affirming health care so i mean shout out to my partner nadine and, and me too and all the work we're doing on birth revolution <laughs> training here and trans birth workers black and indigenous birth workers shout out to jeremiah who is also in addition to being an artist a singer is thinking about education and de-gendering arts education, music education, uh, thinking about the trans voice and, you know, supporting people through all the changes that they go through. And I am just so proud of us. I'm so, so proud of us. Um, <laughs> and the ways we continue to just persist and resist. So yeah, that's my pure Black joy. Ashe. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> well, mine is about an interesting study that has been released about three weeks ago from the American Medical Association that is demonstrating something that I think will be very, very obvious to many of us who are on this panel and many of us who are in the audience listening to this, but it's still really important to be able to demonstrate with data. The study finds that in counties where there are more Black doctors, Black people are healthier. Like they've been able to do this correlation. And I mean, A, obviously, right? Like there are so many health disparities and inequities that are, are in place by the already super complicated and uh, disturbing um, racial histories of this country. So it, it makes a lot of sense that you have um, more Black people taking a different kind of, a, um, making a different kind of investment in their own health in places where there are Black doctors to support that. Mm -hmm. But what I really appreciated about the study is that it's demonstrated even in a county where there is just one Black doctor, the mortality rates of Black people are lower, right? It, it literally is about representation. It literally is about this kind of connection. And it, you know, as a person who has been, you know, engaged in thinking about this and the arts for the last 25 years, like it's really nice to see that there are folks who are doing the same kind of work in other places where it matters um, critically mm -hmm. that we are present. Um, so a big shout to the uh, health equity experts who participated in this study and also to Dr. Monica Peck, who is at the University of Chicago, who wrote a really um, thoughtful editorial about this research as well. So thank you. And everybody who's out there listening, go see a Black doctor. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I think I mentioned early, early, early on um, several years ago when we first started this podcast felt like the scariest most racist 
thing that has ever happened to me where I thought like, oh, I might die was in the emergency room of a hospital. Mm. Um, And if there had just been one Black person (laughs) in that space who had been able to see me and hear me, Mm. I think it would have been a very different experience. So yes, thank you for that research. And I am, for one, I'm not surprised at all. And I hope that it inspires more people to maybe get into that field um, so that we can be happier and healthier and and live longer lives. Absolutely. This is so connected to what we were just talking about with uh, healthcare, trans healthcare, midwifery as well, since Nadine is studying to be a midwife. And this is part of why like our, our birth rates, I'm sure, and stuff like that, perinatal health health outcomes are are probably wrapped up in that. Mm-hmm. I know um the presence of a black midwife um who especially was able to do home births or shoot, even in house in hospital greatly increases both the birthing person and the baby's chances of survival. So like I get excited with even just one single black provider moving mm-hmm. to Minnesota with every mm-hmm. single one. I know that like there is a direct correlation and this study just shows that um, or just one more black midwife moving to the, mm-hmm. moving to the state mm-hmm. with each single one. I'm like, yes. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's, that's great that we can yeah. show that now. Yes, Black doctors, trans doctors, Muslim doctors, doctors whose first language is something other than a Western European language. You know, we need <laughs> all of this. We need all of that. Yeah, <laughs> so I, I'm like really enthusiastic about this data coming out and, you know, maybe some support around it um, to move this needle a bit. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. And all of that coming from another Black doctor, maybe not a medical doctor <laughs> but the black doctor that we have on this show <laughs> <laughs> i forgot about that <laughs> well this was an amazing show Paige. i just want to thank you once again for organizing and putting together that beautiful beautiful panel and i want to thank all of the guests that we had on said panel um, and I want to thank all of you out there for tuning in for another another episode of The Score. Um, next week, we have our another panel, our annual Juneteenth panel that will be moderated by our very own Dr. Lee Bynum. Dr. Lee Bynum, would you like to give a little preview or do you want to keep the people surprised? I'll give a little preview about okay. it. This one is going to focus on the intersection of arts education and uh, Blackness, Black culture, Black students, Black teachers, Black music. Um, it all matters, it, and it matters not just to the Black community, but it matters to everyone that we are um, teaching and uh, preserving these cultural pieces that are at the very fundaments of all American music, right? American music is Black music. So I'm really looking forward to getting into this conversation that won't just touch on classical music, but it's also going to cover hip hop and black dance, etc. So I'm super excited about it. We have a, a great lineup of folks who are doing this work all over the country. 
And um, I feel really honored that I get to be on the panel with them. So, yay! yay. Well, I cannot wait. That sounds amazing. That sounds like it's going to be a really, really, really dope conversation. So, I cannot wait to hear it. And I think that's going to be it for this episode. Um, so thanks everyone again for joining us. Um, please leave a review um, wherever that um, seems appropriate. Um, and five stars. <laughs> I'm so serious. <laughs> so serious right now. Um, and tell your friends about us and subscribe on your favorite podcast platform app of choice and um i think that's it any words of wisdom yes remember hmm. that uh cisgender people get gender affirming health care too all the yes. time mm. and that all our liberation is interconnected yeah that's all <laughs> absolutely absolutely and trans people are hot that too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everybody. We will see you in two weeks. And uh, be easy. Love you. Bye. Bye-bye, everybody.